Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Wednesday, June 23rd, 2021. As Christians, we know we have a spiritual enemy. Yeah, we see it all the way back from the beginning of Scripture in Genesis 3, the serpent that tempts Eve uh, into sin. We know from the New Testament we should be watchful, knowing that our enemy prowls around like a roaring lion seeking something to devour. And so we have to have some sense of the tactics that are used and understand that our enemy, the devil, has a variety of tactics that he will use to to turn people astray. And sometimes it is just an all-out assault on the truth of God and just a direct contradiction to what God says. But there's also many times, instead of that route, there is a twisting of what God says. Even you think of how uh, Satan tempted Jesus by, in one case, twisting the words of God. Well, in many cases, that's what he will do. He will not directly contradict what scripture says. He will twist what it says to make it mean something that it doesn't. And that can cause all kinds of problems. And we want to be sensitive to that as we look at one passage today in 2 Corinthians 9. And this is what I want to spend the most time talking about today, this wonderful passage really on the value of generosity and just how God loves generosity and God promises to be generous to generous people. And so now, even as I start saying things like that, many of us, uh, we start to kind of react and we start to feel uncomfortable, right? Because that is a truth that uh, Satan has not just come out and said, oh, no, no, you shouldn't be generous, right? It is something that we have seen often get very, very twisted, right? And even as you think about organized religion and money, sometimes it makes you feel uncomfortable going all the way back um, to the early days of the Reformation. When one of the things that sparked that was this abuse and selling of indulgences, right? Just to try to get money uh, for the church and manipulating people spiritually to do that. Or you, you think of, uh, you know, some Preachers you might see on television. I remember channel surfing with my dad as a kid, and you'd come across these uh, channels of people standing there with an open Bible, but you start listening to what they're saying, and you're like, oh my goodness, what is going on here? And they start twisting truths like this to try to get their agenda across. And so those things are, are shameful, and it's not good. But we also want to just be careful that we don't fall into the enemy's trap. And just because scriptures like the one we're seeing here can be abused and have been abused in terrible ways, that then we don't just step away from the truth that God does have here and miss the the good things that God wants for us to have and to do through this passage. So let's look at at some of it. Let's jump right in in verse 6, where I guess you could say Paul gets straight to the point because he says the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. 
And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely and he has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. And so there you see God saying, hey, you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. You sow bountifully, you will reap bountifully. And again, that's been twisted by many really is uh, this passage has become a means to get rich and to make other people rich. Uh, right? That's what you see with some of these TV preachers living this fabulously wealthy lifestyle and kind of communicating, hey, if you're generous to my ministry, um, well, then God will give you this rich and extravagant lifestyle. Well, there's nothing in this passage about a rich, extravagant lifestyle. Think of the Apostle Paul. He certainly did not live a rich, extravagant lifestyle lifestyle. And these people that they were helping through this offering were not, they were believers in need. And so we need to reject kind of the excess that has been brought into this idea through the modern church, but we don't want to miss the point. And one way that I've been taught, and I like to sum up really the point of this passage is that you cannot outgive the giver. That God is ultimately the one providing us with everything that we need. And he loves when we show that faith in him. We, we, we show that he, we trust he is going to provide for us. And we show that trust by being generous ourselves. God loves that. And I want you to put the abuses of the, these ideas out of your mind. And I want you to start just to think of the ways I bet you have seen this to be true in your own life, where you were were generous uh, in, in a certain situation or habits of generosity that you have had. And looking back now and saying, you know what? Wow, God provided exactly what I needed. And I want you to think of older, mature Christians that you know. Do they come across to you as stingy or do they usually come across to you as generous people? I also want you to think, can you ever come up with the time that someone you honestly look up to as a godly person will, will say, you know, well, we, we chose to give to this person or to this ministry in a, in a sacrificial way. And, you know, looking back, we, we wish we really hadn't done that. Have you ever heard a godly person say that? I don't, I doubt that you have. Because what we see here is something that is true. God is generous to those who are generous. And basically what he is saying here is not, hey, make somebody else rich and then you'll get rich. He's just saying, no, be generous and I will make sure that I provide everything that you need. And that's the kind of faith that God wants us to have, to trust that. I love how many times you see the all in verse Eight, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Uh, God has everything that we need and he loves it as a father does when he sees his children showing that trust in him that we aren't holding on tight to all the stuff that we have uh, because we're trusting, you know, this has all been a gift from God and God can give me more. And so I don't need to hold on tight and be selfish or stingy or any of these things, but I can be generous. So maybe this should factor into how you think uh, just even as you, you think through your life, uh, maybe as you think through, hey, am I generously giving to support the work 
of the Lord. Or, you know, when I see a specific need, maybe it's somebody in my family or somebody in my church, you know, and I see a way to bless somebody else, you know, what what am I going to do? Or even just thinking through the clear biblical command for us to be hospitable and just to think through if you actually take time to invest in other families in the church or invite people over for dinner or take somebody out to coffee or or lunch, that's going to create an expense. Uh, That's going to create some inconvenience, but just having faith in God to say, you know, well, let's be generous. Let's do this right and trust, you know, God is going to take care of us. That's the heart we really want from this passage. And, you know, I I can be free to be generous to others because I know God is going to generously provide for me. You cannot outgive the giver. And I dare you to test that. Uh, Test that. Go set out to be that first person that, you know, oh, I probably gave too much or was too generous because I doubt you will actually find that to be true. And wherever you are, may we all feel a challenge from this passage and challenge to, well, hey, I, I have tested and I've seen you can't outgive the giver. And maybe I can take one more step that direction. And may that be something we all think about as we encounter God's word today. And we know that we serve an incredibly generous God. And we see a bit of that as we go to Luke chapter one today. And so, To set the stage again, Mary has gone to visit Elizabeth. So Mary, who is pregnant with baby Jesus, and uh, Elizabeth, who is pregnant with baby John the Baptist. And as they're just fellowshipping together and reflecting on what God has done, Mary kind of breaks out into what has now become thought of as as a song, right? Even it has that Latin name, the Magnificat, just uh, exulting in what God has done. And look at what she says. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed for he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. That's the perspective that all of us should have. All of us should have an awareness of the great things that God has done for us. And obviously that should include the physical ways God has provided. But another thing it gets on in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 is the spiritual ways that God has provided and the indescribable gift that he has given to us through Jesus Christ. Think about that. God gave us his son. You really think you can outgive the giver? And so we also need to just cultivate this perspective in our hearts of just amazement and gratitude at how generous God has been to us. And again, remember Mary's context here. Yes, she's pregnant and she's heard some great things uh, just about this baby that is inside of her. But also this must have been an incredibly difficult time for her. Remember, she is pregnant, but she is not married That would have been something of a scandalous situation. So it's not as if everything was just uh, turning up roses in Mary's life right now. No, she was also going through some very difficult things, but it was even in the difficult things that she had this perspective. So maybe you're coming out of a season that just you feel blessed by God. And so it's easy for you to say, wow, look how good God has been. It's easier for you to think generously because you're like, look how good God has been to me. I want to be generous. But also if you're going through a hard season 
and there's trials involved, have this perspective of Mary and trust uh, God's incredible ability to provide. Well, now we go to Psalm 76, 1 through 6, and here we're just going to see just how great God is, even in the context of of military and battles. It talks about the stout-hearted in verse 5, were stripped of their spoil, they sank into sleep, all the men of war were unable to use their hands at your rebuke, O God of Jacob. Both rider and horse lay stunned. So here it just shows God's power even over nations, over armies. Uh, But then we see that illustrated as we look at 2 Kings 1 through 3 today. 2 Kings 1 through 3. And both in Elijah's final days and Elisha's early days, we see God's incredible power. Even Elijah, Ahaziah, who is now um, ruling in Israel, he has some accident where he falls through the lattice and he wants word on uh, what is uh, going to happen. And he seeks a uh, false god and is rebuked for that. So then he starts sending soldiers to Elijah and Elijah calls down fire and it consumes this group of 50 soldiers. And then it happens again. And again, just a reminder that even though Ahaziah is potentially trying to intimidate Elijah with his power and his prestige and his military might, that was nothing to God. And when we get intimidated by the the powerful of this world, we need to remember that God is in control. And then in chapter three is Elisha now kind of takes the mantle from Elijah as Elijah is taken to heaven in the whirlwind in Chapter one, and there's the story of the chariot, or chapter two, and there's the story of the chariot of fire. Well, now Elisha is interacting with the kings as they go to war against Moab. And there we see the armies finding themselves in a tough spot without water, but God provides the water and God provides the victory. So what we see just God doing some incredible things here. And again, we shouldn't just think of this as yesteryear and long uh, go in a galaxy far, far away. No, this is the same God that we are serving. And so we can trust him. We don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be intimidated by the powerful uh, players on the world stage. God is totally in control. And that maybe is another reason for us to trust him, to remember that because he's in the in control, we know we can't outgive the giver. And I hope that all of us really do see the powerful truth of 2 Corinthians 9 in our lives, that all of us know the joy of generosity and see the the worship that results as we see God be generous to us. And I hope that encourages you today. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.